0: Hello, my people, my friends. Welcome back to the Naked Leadership Podcast. This is Chad. I'm so grateful that you're here once again for another episode. This episode, I'm so excited to release this episode. Um, This conversation for me was, there were so many aha moments, there were so many connected moments and places that I could see where I myself could uh, continue the great work of being a leader. This conversation, Dan, Adrian, and I sit down and we talk about the unique challenges of romantic relationships, marriages, long-term relationships, and that coupled with corporate or business leadership, team leadership, and that could be applied to really any kind of leadership as we often mention in these conversations. I can't wait for you to have a listen. I hope you get as much out of it as I did. Here we go. Hey gentlemen, so good to be back with you. Yeah, good to be here. Good to be alive. I'm really excited for this conversation. This this conversation topic was born out of a coaching call that I had this last week. I was just telling you guys before we we hit record um, that I was working with one of my favorite clients, um, CEO of a tech company. They're killing it. Um, And just really seeing success inside the walls of the company. And we were talking vision and, Inside that conversation about vision for the company, I brought in his family, familial relationships. Mm -hmm. And, you know, up until this point, he'd operated under the impression that those don't have anything to do with the vision of the company. And that was really interesting to me. I know that I've been there. Um, and when I have been there, and that's part of what I want to talk about in this conversation, is that all three of us have some pretty significant anybody does that's owned a business, started a business, is a founder or an executive, has some, I don't know, should we call them war stories about <laughs> being in a committed relationship, particularly, you know, a romantic committed relationship, marriage, whatever it is you call it. Um and and how the business or or your involvement or how you you relate to the business and how you relate to the relationship um how they dance together and so i wanted to have this conversation because one of the things that i love uh, about being around both of you is to hear some of the not only some of the ways that you failed at it in the past for what you want with your with your people um and also to learn from you about how you've been able to strike an integration between your business and your families. And, um, and I've been able to do, you know, see some, some success on that end from, from my perspective as well. So I wanted to open this conversation up. I think it's a really powerful conversation. If we, if you're okay with it, I'd love to start just kind of getting in touch with the pain or the unique challenges that leaders um, of corporations, companies, or organizations or groups, what, what kind of unique challenges do they face when it comes to their committed relationships at home?
1: Yeah, it's a great great place to start. Um, so what are the unique challenges? You know, I, I think I mean the more significant role you play in people's lives. And I mean, I guess I mean, like, if you take on the mantle, take on the the role of a leader, essentially, you're inviting yourself, uh, you're wanting to play a more significant role in the world, maybe essentially. And if you're doing that, then what comes with that? What comes with that is a whole concert of additional agreements that you have. You know, so if I decide to, like, hire five employees, now I've got five more sets of agreements with them about what that means and who they are to me and who I am to them. And that does have a, have a, have a poll. It ought to, if it doesn't, then you're probably not leading well, but you're having some kind of set of agreements with those folks. And, and, you know, if you're running a company of 5,000 people, you've got some kind of attachment um, to all those 5,000 people. And so if you're deciding to lead in like, let's say the business venture, that that's, that's what's happening. You're not just like doing a job. You've got lots of connections happening to that. Plus, I mean, this might overwhelm everybody as we're talking. Welcome to also all your clients that you're serving. There's a level of attachment to them and your other peers and your board and your investors. Anyway, you're naturally connected to those folks. And then there's, then there, are for folks that have a family or building a family or have significant others or have a partnership or whatever committed relationship. You've got a set of agreements with them. Sometimes those are explicit. Sometimes they're implicit, um, spoken, unspoken, and the kind of the quality of those agreements, I think will generate the quality of your life. And by, by quality, I mean, How clearly defined are they? How much of an active conversation are they? Um, And how present to how it's going are you? Now, back to the pain points. I think a lot of the pain comes up whenever we've neglected uh, some of those uh, relationships and, and been on maybe autopilot or just let something cruise for a while. And eventually that might work in the short term. And then in the long-term resentment starts to build whether on the work side or whether on the family side. Um, And then you end up dealing with the symptoms of not tending to your agreements. So I think people really start to feel that. um, And it it starts by like maybe passively starts happening and it starts to show up like anxiety or fear or um, defensiveness or hiding or trying to get away with stuff or whatever that is. And uh, it starts, you know, passively or slowly. And then all of a sudden blows up and we end up getting in a fight about what it is and start defending, um, defending what I'm doing on the other side of the fence. Um, and, you know, we're not in an active stance and like really tending to the quality of those relationships. I think people feel that tension all the time. And I think that's like, they call it like the pull, like I'm being pulled in multiple directions. Mm. When really there's an invitation to go tend to and make something healthy, or I'm not tending to and making it healthy and I'm waiting for the weeds to come up. And then I've got a shitty garden, you know, that kind of analogy.
0: Dan, what are you thinking about?
2: Well, um, to Adrian's point, it it kind of could, if I go back before that, what you were talking about with, uh, with clients, the, one of the things you know, if somebody says, well, m- what does my relationship have to do with my work? They're obviously out of touch with the dependencies between the two. Right. Like like if you're in a company and you're working a company, you understand dependencies, right? So the marketing department's dependent on, are uh, the sales department's dependent on the marketing department and the marketing department's dependent on the sales department. The sales department needs to represent what the marketing department's selling in a way that's accurate to the customer, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the same thing, you know, when I go to work, I'm my work is dependent on how well my I'm taking care of at home, right? And, and how well I take care of those at home. And if something goes wrong at home, you can just look up this, any kind of research, how, what people are like when their significant other and family is upside down, what kind of work they produce, right? I think that's a direct corollary and that's it's like um it's a short-sightedness to not see them as integrated but to you know and I think we all tend to do that easily because we fall under the illusion that because my body's in another building somehow this relationship's unrelated to the one that I just had breakfast with at home right mm-hmm. it, which is ridiculous and, and we felt it on both ends of it like when something at work falls apart and intrudes in my family life, and if I have, if my family is well integrated, my family concerns, my wife, or my spouse, you know, uh, my children, et cetera, and something occurs at work, and they are aware of its importance and how they contribute, and and I've made time for them, and there's, you know, a number of different um, nuances that I've taken care of because I've been conscious about the relationship, well, then the resource is going to be there to be interrupted at work or at home and be able to take care of what's what's calling, right? And I think that it's just a short-sightedness. I think there's some, I also think there's some other unspoken benefits of siloing my work and my family that are a little more nefarious. Uh, Well, they could be, um, you know. Like what? Well, you know, I having been a criminal and I still have that little <laughs> criminal in my head. I mean, if if my if my spouse doesn't know what I'm up to at work, there's a lot I can do at work or in the name of work that otherwise I wouldn't do. Yep. I'll leave your imagination up to the rest. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and the more I integrate these things, the harder it is to hide in the shadows of either one. Yeah. Like at work, I could say, well, you know, my things are a mess at home. They may or may not be a mess at home, but I can, I could probably avoid evade whatever, something at work by using the family as an excuse. If we're tightly integrated, well, that becomes much more difficult because people know the family, they might be, you know, might be in touch with my spouse. Their kids might be involved with my kids. There might be, you know, there's some relationship that could easily leak whatever lie I tell to cover my ass back into either one of those worlds. Right. And, and, and the, but the, but the upside is it's so much more rewarding to have them integrated mm-hmm. and much more, and a lot less tension and stress. I think it's part of managing stress is integrating the worlds that I have.
0: Yeah. I can really relate to what you're talking about. I mean, when I started my media company in 2009, we grew really, really quickly. And in the nature of the work was, was a lot of travel. I know both of you have done some work where a lot of travel is involved. We were, we were traveling about 80, 85% of the year. And it was really, I was I was doing exactly what you're talking about, Dan, is I was keeping them very, very separate on purpose because um I think now looking back, I was afraid of what I was unable to do at home. Yeah. Or what yeah. I, I perceived as unable to do at home. And so I could use work to avoid that. Right. So Katie, my wife, doesn't need to know that. And we've all we've talked about all of this now, so it's great. Katie doesn't need to know that you know I I did have a a job in New York, but I stayed an extra day to wander the city and didn't even tell her that that wasn't part of the of the job, right? And and that's that is how it started to show up. Um, Meanwhile, she's at home with our two kids who are at the time toddlers in a two bedroom apartment in Southern California with the worst air conditioning you've ever, I mean, it was just like, it it was so, it's so interesting for me to think about that. And, you know, that was the time of my life when I was most unhappy, both in my work and at home. Right. Yep. I mean, that's the time that I found Adrian and, and we started working together because I was about ready to, I, I thought the business was the problem. I thought the, the amount of work that needed to be done, the demands of the client, the, uh, the 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 level of excellence that we were going for, I thought those were the problem. And if we could figure out those, then I would become the person at home that I wanted to be or that I was afraid that I couldn't be. And, um, and that just wasn't true, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, and thank God we found each other and I was able to figure some of this integration stuff out. Not saying I'm perfect at it now, but the practice is definitely... Uh, more invigorating now. <laughs> yeah.
2: And there's all kinds of, I mean, I remember when Eileen would want to know what's going on at work or just to connect with me because so much of my day was at work. And I would somehow feel like she was intruding. Yes. Than, you know, rather than sharing with her some of my struggles and getting her insights, which of course, then later that, you know, that that we developed that. And I, you know, I look back and I think, wow, I missed out on so much because she literally has been very helpful in me and resourcing kind of being a resource to what's wanted and needed at work and vice versa at work. I mean, I get into a situation with Eileen. I have a good friend to work or good friends at work, much like you and Adrian. And I can say this is what I'm struggling with and get some input rather than You know, but if I keep them separated and isolated, then I can build Eileen as the bad guy and Mm -hmm. or, you know, what's happening at home is a real problem and then use that as a distraction or a cover or, you know, there's multiple different um, purposes I can use it for. But it's, you know, it's criminal.
0: That's or nice. vice versa. You can use Adrian with Eileen, right? You can do yeah, uh, yeah, Adrian. I, he's such a demanding partner. I mean, he expects I, all of this shit from a me. Bitch. I this can't get anything done. I know, man. What I'm such a pain in the you? ass. I'm glad you guys said it.
1: That's what I was thinking.
0: <laughs> he wouldn't let me leave the office. <laughs>
1: I like,
2: you know, our, we, we're describing this description reminds me of our, our vision statement, which is we transform leadership in the leadership. Right because that's really what we can do. We can take the things that are distracting in our lives, the shit and use it to as a cover, right. Rather than use it as fertilizer to grow something new.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) be responsible for it. Yeah. 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 Um, Definitely.
1: I mean, uh, yeah, I've I've walked this path as well. And still, I mean, even as active as yesterday, I'm thinking about, there's so many things going through my mind in this conversation, but even just as, as you know, our family's going through something just at the moment. We've got a close friend of ours that just lost a child yesterday, uh, two, two nights ago. And I'm consistently telling myself today, this is no ordinary day. Slow down, be connected with Allie, check in with her, extra time, extra attention. Um, give her a lot of room, a lot of love, and a lot of room, whatever she needs. You know, this is not just a typical day and only because that's what I, that's, that's how I want to aim like that instead of like, Oh, it's work hours. Leave me alone, which is where my head goes. You know, I'm working. Um, but I don't want to live like that. I want to live very, I want the fruit of integration, you know, mm-hmm. cause that's what we're talking about is there's, I mean, there's fruit for everything, but from, if you disjoint something and, and have, don't have integrity or alignment together, there's fruit in that. And that's, separateness That's a feeling of aloneness. A lot of the kind of alone at the top story is nobody gets me. But most people that feel alone at the top don't want people to get them. Right. Yeah. And right. So they're not actively to your point, Dan. Yeah. To your, to, your, to your point, Dan, like with their spouse, they're not actually talking about the real stuff. They're talking about symptoms, not actually what's going on for me and the struggle that's happening here and the tension that I'm in and the concerns I've got and the fears I've got and the insecurities and what I hope and what I dream. And they're not talking about that. They might say, oh, I met with Tom today. I met with Chad today. It was pretty cool. Anyway, what's for dinner? And they will complain about feeling really like my wife doesn't get me, but I don't give her a shot to get me. So I guess all that to say is, I mean, this is a, I mean, if, if you're searching for vitality, um, I don't think you can have vitality without connection. Um, and that's what we're, we're, I'm I'm always aiming at is how do I stay really connected? But you, you come up against a lot of scarcity, like time, like energy, like it would take, you know, she's not going to get it or blah, 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 story, story, story. And it's like no, let's aim at connection here, and and even just I'll be very practical. Yesterday, you know, we're um, got something going on next week. At least a trip plan next week, which we might not take now. But a trip plan next week. I'm out of pocket. Going to be nine hours ahead of our time, and so I'm not going to be doing much coaching work next week. But I don't use. I don't ever take client calls on the weekend. Just like as a practice, it's just not something I'm up for, typically. But I, but because of what's happening, I'm you know thinking about oh maybe I'll take a couple client calls over the weekend, and. But now that's it. there's there's this kind of subtle agreement that Adrian doesn't work on the weekends with Allie. I've never said it. I don't ever take calls, but it, that's just been, that's definitely the norm. And any kind of norms are, are at least a passive agreement. So at least yesterday, I know what I want to do, or even might feel like I need to do to move this thing forward. Am I willing to pause and submit that to her, or am I just going to do it and just then fight my way through it and just let her know what I'm doing. Um, And yesterday I paused and said, Hey, I need to do this call. Which time works best for you? Now, I don't want to ask that question. I don't want to be that, you know, that submitted to myself because I get scarce about it and maybe she won't care and blah, blah, blah. Um, And I don't need your
0: permission. I don't need your look. And look at this work I'm doing
1: blah blah yeah this is really important get in line woman um
0: <laughs> yeah that works
1: yeah right <laughs> that works i can't
0: relate you. to that at all yeah
1: so anyway the moment of i mean it's kind of a heavy word in the context of business life maybe we don't use it that often but the moment of surrender and can i surrender my own agenda for the sake of my vision and my vision is to serve clients build the business create massive value and be very connected at home. That's, that's equally as true. If I do one without the other, I'm miserable. Mm -hmm. Either one, pick it, pick each one, build a great business, have a shitty home life. That's hell. Have a, have a great home life. Don't build legacy and business and finances and all that stuff. That's also hell. So the only way to go is the the both end. How do I get both? Well, they, they better be in relationship to each other. And I'm the one that connects the dots. Um, so I think people, a lot of times feel the pain of the, the, the anxiety that comes with the scarcity to think that it must be separate. Mm. You, You know what I mean? Like I have anxiety to think there's no way to connect these two points. I'll give a client example. So I'm working with a gal. Um, she's brilliant. She's about to take over, um, a huge portion of a multinational business. And uh, it's interesting because I'm working with her to kind of get her ready for that. And so we're talking a lot about leadership presence and leadership style and who she is and how she shows up with other people. It's a very interesting contract for me because we're not like in the role yet. It's prepping for the role. Um, And one of the things for her is she's very professional, quote unquote, i.e. She talks about work all the time, which is great. And she's world class. Obviously, they were giving her a huge promotion. Um, but how does she build trust with her peers, her future peers, or even the future, the current senior team that'll eventually be reporting to her? How do you build trust? Well, you better be a human being. I mean, be excellent at the work, but also be a human being. How do you do that? Well, you show your humanity. And so one very, might sound odd, doesn't seem odd, especially if you know the context. Um, She had uh, someone very close to her past, like someone in her immediate family passed away last week. And it was a huge success. She got on the call and said, hey, I told people about it. You know, and for her, she would have never told anybody. She would just like segmented that off. I'll go to the funeral, do the thing, say, sorry, I've got a family emergency. Big generalized, you know, mean nothing statement. And then come back to work and act like she's doing OK. She's not doing OK. And
2: be stressed out and carry that and not have support. And-
1: That's right. That's right. And then be off. And then people think it's them instead of like, Oh, you know, this person just passed away. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going through this process and all of a sudden people, you know, I paused and said, well, tell me about what's been happening since you've told people. And people have come said, Hey, if you need space, I totally get it. Anything part of this project you need me to do, people show up as a resource because she showed up as a human. And she showed up as a person that actually has needs that she'd rather not have, you know, Um, she's receiving a situation that she didn't choose. Somebody passed away and, you know, um, it just, it happened and other people show up as a resource. And all of a sudden it's like a whole new universe. Like, hold on a second. I can put these two things together and the togetherness is actually going to make me more effective at work. That's a weird idea. Mm. You know, that's a whole new frontier. Like, hold on. I get to be my full self wherever I am. That's a new idea. Instead of like, I need to only be this version of myself here. I think that's part of the strain and stress people are under because they feel like they can't or won't bring their full self wherever they are. And I think most people are dying for that. I know I am. I want to be able to be my full self wherever I am and not feel like I need to be segmented out. That's a lot of strain and stress.
0: Yeah. To do that. I also want to know both of you as your whole selves. I'm not, right on. I'm not interested in anything other than that. Right on. Right on. I mean,
1: if, if you, if you bring as a leader, if you bring your whole self it gives a level of permission that all your people are dying for. Yep. Now I'm not saying, I think there's lots of fears and there are concerns in there that if, if you let people be going through what they're going through, that work productivity will go down. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a concern for people. Yeah. It's a worthy concern. It's a worthy concern. So, like, how people relate to their personal struggles is really important to have a conversation about, you know. So, if this is happening in my life and uh, people are being irresponsible about it, um, like using it as the foil, like, two years from now, this thing happened, and I'm still sucking wind. Well, that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but you know, I think people avoid it because they think it's going to be a drag instead of, um, instead of, a instead of fuel and more connection.
0: Hello, my friends. This episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Revenant process. I want to tell you about the next Revenant we have coming up. It's November 3rd through the 6th, 2022 in Los Angeles, California. Now, if you haven't heard us talk about The Revenant, there's a few things I wanna point out about it. Really, The Revenant process is an opportunity to change your focus and renew your mind. Dan calls it a gym, and in that gym, it's a place to invent a future that inspires you, to stand confident in the face of disapproval or chaos, to exercise the courage to learn from conflict, to create new meaning in your relationships, to be a voice, not an echo. Now get this, there's over 50,000 Revenant graduates around the world. 97% of those graduates surveyed say that it, it exists in the top three experiences of their lives. I'll echo that sentiment for myself personally. My Revenant process definitely stands within the top three or four experiences of my life. I cannot explain to you the clarity and excitement that I got by going through this process. So imagine what's possible for you. Think of a future that you want as it relates to yourself, your self-talk, your relationships with others in your career, and come to the Revenant process ready to make it happen. Again, the deets are November 3rd through the 6th, 2022 in Los Angeles, California. If you want to register, you can go to wearevenant.com, wearerevenant.com, or simply click on the link in the show description. I'd love to go back actually and tie two of these ideas that I'm hearing from both of you together. Um, in, uh, the two ideas is like, so Dan, you talked about when you started including Eileen in the conversations about your work, the, um, the insights and the resource that she was for you or, or, and still is obviously, but you discovered that she could be that insight that I had this same exact experience, my whole, you know, my whole goal before coming to terms with some of these things was to keep Katie separate, never told her anything. She's got, and, and how arrogant of me to believe that she's got nothing to offer and and that she doesn't want to offer or, or participate or be a resource in any way. And, and it was a huge discovery for me that when I chose to include her and she wanted to be included, how what a great resource she is for me Mm -hmm. even the fact that she's completely disconnected from the work not completely but you know what i mean like not in the day-to-day a set
2: of eyes that are outside the (laughs)
0: context, yes yeah and she you know i'll come away from whatever uh you know i'll get in a drop dead argument with uh, uh adrian here and we'll have just a difference and we just can't come to a solution. I'm just kidding, that doesn't happen. But you know something's going on, and I will tell her about it, and she can show me where I might be missing my contribution hmm. or even just asking me, you know that sort of thing. And maybe people don't want that level of accountability at home, but I do because then it it helps me actually create the types of relationships I want to create. At work, which is being responsible for my contribution, all of that sort of stuff. So she has a really special way of showing me or inviting me into looking at what I haven't considered, even though she doesn't fully understand the context of what we're of what we're up to. I want to tie that idea into what I feel like you were just talking about, Adrian, not your words, but mine, asking for help. Simon Sinek talks a lot about a good leader asks for help. And I, I love some of the stuff he has on that. But it's so clear to me that we have these resources on both sides for both sides. If we're going to talk about them as sides or relationships, right? We have resources at work, people that love us and want, you know, all of that stuff. And they can be a resource for whatever's going on at home. And we have people at home that love us. And we have a a relationship with that could be a resource at work.
2: You uh, kind of hit what I was thinking about, which is, there are, it really depends on your aim. I think aim has a lot to do with why, how, and why the resources either get integrated or not. Cause just naturally, I think most people get married. If you think about it, they come into a marriage looking for what they can get, or at least you know, speak for myself, looking for, to get what I can out of the arrangement, love, attention, security, you know, uh, pleasure, companionship, stuff like that. But um, I don't like to think like I go, I think about going home to get something like that's usually where I go to take care of my needs. And, you know, I could if I'm aiming at that, then I go to work, I aim at, I go to work to help somebody. Right. And so, you know, if I'm, if I'm an entrepreneur, if I'm a founder, I'm going there to make a difference in with my customer's life. I'm there to make a difference in my team's life. And I'm not thinking about asserting for my own needs. Hmm. And I tend to, if I'm siloed, that's what I save for home. And then I go home and and the wife is, you know, or my spouse, if you're married and you're a woman coming home, maybe the spouse is waiting. You know, they want you to contribute to them, but you're going home to get regenerated. You're going home <laughs> yeah. to take care of your needs. And, and so there's, you know, it's like... Uh, it's really, it creates the opposite tension in both places. At at work, people don't feel like they can make a difference because they don't know how they can assist me, contribute to me at home. They they feel like they've been abandoned because I'm there waiting for them to take care of me, which, you know, uh, I've had that experience on both ends. And, And by integrating them, then I understand how, I begin to understand how to ask for help at work and then how to contribute at home. And it becomes a much healthier environment. And and there's a cry, like you said, an exchange, because, you know, Eileen and my kids can have a view of what's going on at work. that can be very helpful and resourceful. Whereas, you know, and and vice versa, somebody at work might be able to see help me see into my relationship and something's up and we're chatting about it. That could be very beneficial. And most people don't think that way. Right. I know when I worked at um, one company where I was traveling a lot, uh, the, the the department that de- dealt with all of my travels as they got to know my home life they were so much more helpful in f- planning flights getting me rooms under, you know I, and when i started to want to negotiate my schedule in a way that would work when i was away from my family there was a lot of support in that but if, if they didn't then they might feel like i'm some kind of special case because they weren't connected to some of the challenges I was wrestling with at home and healthy, worthwhile challenges that they too have dealt with and were happy to contribute to. Mm. So that's a big deal, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: It takes a, the, the whole point is it takes a certain level of vulnerability on both sides.
0: Right on. It's going
2: to increase the vulnerability, which is going to increase the trust and credibility as well. If mm-hmm. I'm willing to, you know, put words on it, articulate it, invite people in an appropriate way, all that.
0: It also increases the accountability. Yeah, you well, know, that's for sure.
2: <laughs> for sure.
0: So I think we've been, you know, I think we've been throwing some of them out here, but what are some of the, um, how, how do we start to think about, um, who we need to be in order to integrate both our work and our, um, in our home life? I know, I know for me, I I can draw on my personal experiences. Like when I'm super connected and and I feel like things are integrated, it, it shows up a lot for me when I travel. And what happens for me when I travel is I'm I'm frequently thinking about Katie and the kids and I'm checking in with them or sending them a little picture or, or whatever. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm using my connection with them while I'm, while I'm doing the work to do it in a more meaningful way, because they're a big part of why I do what I do. I also noticed the verse the the opposite of that is like when I'm traveling, um, and I'm not very connected or not very integrated at the moment. That's the other thing I want to talk about. Is it's not an event. You don't integrate them, and then it's and then it's there <laughs> for, then it's done. Um, it's a practice, and and it go for me. I go in and out of it. But you know, when I'm not connected, I can go a whole three day trip without ever communicating with them, which is very interesting to me. And that's always an indicator for me. It's like, oh, you're very disconnected. And and that's not what I want. So then I start to work towards what it is that I do want. Mm-hmm.
2: It's funny you say that because when I was younger and I was traveling a lot, my wife and I both noticed that if we stayed in touch the when I came home, the integration of being together, we were on the same page. Whereas if we didn't communicate and we spent a long time not communicating, there was always this upset. Yes. Trying to come together. I needed time alone or you know, to get my head back on and she needed this and she needed to get away and we'd argue and but if we were in communication on the same page authentically, walking through the trip, you know, then when we came together, it was like we hadn't been apart and we could just pick up where we were where we were on this kind of in the same happening, right? Yeah. And and it was much more supportive for her and the kids and for me as I, you know, as, as I'm away and as I come home.
1: Mm. Yeah. You know, I, what hits me is um, this idea of urgency hit me, meaning, um, you know, we, what, what gets our attention? One question, like how do things get our attention? And it's one of the things that's easy. I guess one framework that naturally generates that phenomenon, if I'm being, you know, surgical about it is urgency. So if something's really urgent, then I, it calls for my attention, right? The fire that's in front of me, the big, the big pitch that's happening, the blah, blah, blah. And that, and at work, urgency is usually a currency, right? It, it's happening all the time. There's this and that, and that I've got lots of these promises. I got to go deliver on it, da, 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 da It's very distinct from at home. There's not a lot of urgency. And I think people, I think part of the if we're on in a default setting, we just follow the shiny object or the money signs or try to solve problems or put out fires. And there might not be as many of those categories at home. So it's like a slower process at home. Um, so what's the antidote to that is would be at least what I would think is like intentionality. mean, mm-hmm. meaning, you know, this as simple as from time to time, and that could be, you pick a, a cadence is just checking in with your spouse about how are we doing? Mm-hmm. How am I doing as a, as a spouse or as a significant other or whatever, how am I doing at home? Do you feel like you're getting the, the attention you need? Do you feel like you're getting my, my uh, intention? Are there things that are, that keep, we keep kicking down the road that you need my involvement with? Um, most of the time when Allie's frustrated with me, it's because there's something she's concerned about and feels very alone in that concern. And then that bubbles up and grows. And then all of a sudden it's a big thing. And all of a sudden like, you don't, you're not paying attention, blah, blah. Um, and it's, if I look at my responsibility with that, it's, it's usually comes from me not checking in to see if there's more wanted and needed because there's not a fire of the day. There's just Mm -hmm. life's happening over there, but there's lots of fires on this side. And so I mean, I know a lot of people that I work with, it's, it's slowing down and checking in, how are things going on that side? And they usually haven't asked themselves that question because they prefer, um, they're not to, there's not an answer or that there's no kind of, un. there's usually unspoken, uh, expectations on that side. And so it can, it doesn't look like a fire for a while, but all of a sudden the house got burned down and then holy shit, what happened?
0: You yeah, I was going to say, or you know something's not right and you don't want to hear the answer.
1: Right on. Yeah, they prefer not to know. That's yeah. right.
2: Until they, until they have to read. It's the tyranny of the urgent, which you're speaking of. is like, I don't move until it's urgent. The other motivator is the dangerous, right? Is being in touch with what's dangerous. Like what now seems innocuous turns into, could be
0: dangerous later. Mm. And if I'm aware of that, you know. Like a sleeping giant.
2: Yeah, the philosopher Kierkegaard talks about uh, he, he, a, a human discipline he says that we take for granted and don't tend to be intentional about. and that is the discipline of remembering and forgetting. So we remember the beauty of the relationship, the, the you know the mountaintop experience and and how great it was, and we tend to forget what it took to get there.
0: Hmm.
2: And so and so he says, you know we do best, to train ourselves to remember the suffering it takes to produce the paradise we live in
0: Mm -hmm.
2: or to remember the, the irresponsibility it took to get, to behave our way into the hell that we're living in. Mm -hmm. Right. So that if we can train our remembering that way, we'll tend to be less disappointed or caught off guard by our own bad acts and what they bring us. And Mm -hmm. And, you know, what the future will bring if we're being faithful, even though momentarily it's not as exciting. It's there might be some some uh, boredom in it or some whatever. You're not being entertained the way you ought to be or, it you know, you're sweating or you're feeling uncomfortable. Or you're vulnerable. What future? If we remember what that's bringing us, we become much more enthusiastic. So it's an interesting it's in the book. Um, uh I'll think about it. It's one of his either, or it's an either, or, but it's really just an interesting, I thought this, it always made an impression on me because I find myself being at times irresponsible, how I remember and what I'm choosing to forget.
1: Right. That's
0: good. Yeah. What were you going to say, Adrian?
1: Well, you know, I, I think we're, I think this for most folks, this is kind of a mystery. And I mean, everybody that's, that's, that has a vocation and has a relationship. It's, it it's, it's always new. Like there's always some kind of um, aspect of it. That's shifting. And it takes, it takes a bit of, I mean, I think this is Kierkegaard's point is it takes some discipline to stay connected to what is and, and then pick our, our aim about what do I really want it to be? You know, it's, there's a book that I, used to, that I read early in my coaching career um, and I've given it to you know several dozen clients, uh, which is a, a piece by a, guy, a poet named David White. And uh, one of his books is called The Three Marriages, which I like it because I think it's really honest. And he just says this, is that all of us, um, we, we, when we think about marriage, most people just think like, oh, I'm married to another person or bound or whatever. If you're not married, you're like bound to like a significant relationship. When I think of a marriage, quote unquote, I'm married to them. But he points out that no, that's an, a marriage. There's also, I'm married to a couple other. There's a couple other agreements like a marriage. One is I'm married to my vocation. Like it matters to me, my ambition, what I'm building, what you know, my vocation, I'm giving myself to something and some kind of work in the world. Not everybody's doing that, but everybody's listening to this is. Um, so I'm also giving myself to that narrative and that future and that legacy. And that's an important marriage to be. I mean, if you don't connect to that, there's going to be tons of regret. So you ought to be connected to that. And then he says, there's a third one, which is I'm married to myself, like my own view of myself and who I'm becoming and how I'm doing and my own character and my own integrity and my own pride and my own joy and my own experience of life. And that, uh, you know, is is worth investing in and tending to and caring for. And the the solution to that is this kind of three stranded cord. These all work together. And together, if you if you you know marry your your significant relationships, you can put friends in there as well, and your own. Uh, vocational path and your own sense of self, if you bind these together, that makes something really strong and sturdy. If you don't tend to one, you'll have tons of regret and probably blame the other two for not having that, but it's a level of intentionality um that's always what's needed is like clarity, aim, you know discipline um sacrifice in order to make those three chords uh really healthy
2: mm-hmm. yeah it's uh I love that book he talks about. If any one of them is out of alignment, it affects the other two, and the whole. Right, so it's a it's a great way to think about the most important concerns of your life. That's for sure. I, I love that book.
1: Mm-hmm. So poetic. The, the, the three marriages. David White. W H Y T E. Yeah,
0: I'll I'll link it in the in the show notes as well, so it's easy to find. Yeah, there's a couple practices that are showing up in this conversation that I work to engage in that have been really monumental for me. And like Dan, as you talked about one is um, one is asking, what can I give rather than what do I get? I, I can find myself very often relating to my work and my marriage and my fatherhood and my friendships, asking myself, what could, what do I get out of this? What am I getting out? And, um, and that's when I'm, that's when I'm siloed in those areas. Um, that's when I find the least amount of, um, satisfaction or, or meaning in those areas. It's when I'm asking myself, what can I give? What more can I give to this that I find extreme connection, integration, and meaning in those areas of my life. So that's one practice that has been really, really meaningful for me when I'm, when I'm on top of it, when I'm paying attention. Um, the other one that you mentioned is, is talking to Katie and asking her, how am I doing? I think Adrian, you're the one that, that, that mentioned that said that we've made that as a couple, we've committed to make that a practice. Like, how am I doing for you? Where am I missing it? What's, what's working, what's not working and what's wanted and needed. We literally, we, we, we use those um, just because it makes the conversation a little bit more. I don't know. Intentional. Intentional. That's right. I was going to say easy. It's not easy, <laughs> but um. Anyway, I just wanted to pass those along or at point them out um, as a practice, a takeaway, as something to try and see what opens up as you as you work to integrate both your your business, your leadership role at work, and in your leadership role at home.
1: Yeah, well, I'm thinking. I mean, most my people might be shuddering in their seats as they listen to this and think about, man, do I really want to ask my significant other for feedback? Um, <laughs>
2: That's it, feedback uh, in itself. Yeah, that's, that's right. Feedback enough, right there.
0: The feedback's already there. Man, it's, like I mean, saying,
2: it's like saying, "I'll just wait till this becomes a cancer and then wonder why it failed."
1: Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. yeah.
2: I mean, I, I I go back to. I mean, I'm of course confessing here, but you know, things are the way they are because the system they're producing what the system was set up to produce, and at, at some level, if there's an ongoing you know, upset or confusion about this. And you stated it, Chad, a lot of us, a lot of people, if they're aware of it, they don't want to look at it. And and you're going to become aware of it if you're married to both. You you have a marriage, a wedding, you know, to a spouse, or you're in a committed relationship with, you know, and a significant other, and you have a work that you care about, and you're taking care of yourself. These realities are going to come to the surface. And to the degree that I don't, I'm not willing to get, curious is indicator of probably uh, motives I'm unaware of that are being served like there are things I don't I I'm I'm probably up to that I don't like to think about because I they make me look in my own eyes like the person I don't want to be and so I don't pay attention to them but I still service them and that's what keeps you know there's they're they're being served by the relationship the way it is there's some payoff. I'm getting that I'm moaning about and even the complaint has certain value to it. Mm. And, and to really look at that takes some humility and some vulnerability and,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and the belief that there's something even much better than what I've settled for much bigger.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it just hits me because it's probably worth talking or making this point is if we, if we talk about the David white template, of what he's talking about, which we just mentioned, you know, there's so many folks that I work with that don't have any kind of outlet in their life for them to regenerate themselves personally. And some people might call those hobbies or something activities. And, you know, that can, there can be, you know, there can be those things that you do privately like, uh, whatever it is, you got a little hobby, you got something you like doing or some like little nerd thing you do on the side or things you're researching or blah, 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 whatever that is. I fly fish
2: alone. I love fly it. fishing alone. I yeah, that's
1: us. right. Um, and there's also ways in which like you can integrate even those things, like hobbies with other people. Like what do you like to do that your spouse likes to do? And can that be a place where you can, you know, get a two for one, you know, uh, activity, where it's like you can actually connect with your spouse as you're doing something you really enjoy. Most leaders that are burning out or flipping out or not treating their people well, it's because they're under this amount of stress and they haven't, they haven't grounded themselves on a regular basis. So they live in some kind of reaction, which puts them in defense all the time. So things are naturally pitted against one another instead of seeing them as these forces that are resources for one another. Like if I'm taking care of myself and enjoying my life and in this kind of bigger narrative that, Oh, I like what's going on in my life. I'm much more open with my spouse. I'm much more open with my work. I've got time and energy for the people because I've taken care of my background concerns. So I don't know. I think most people, including the guy talking, this is an ongoing ever present conversation about how am I doing and I think driven folks that have a unique, have a unique relationship uh, to results, right? They're really committed to results and can usually see a multi-step process to get somewhere. And I know for me, multiple years in my life, I would feel really guilty enjoying myself before something is done, And I'm just, I got to get this thing done. If I get this thing done, then I can reality is that if you're running a business, you're never done, (laughs) never, you know, there's always something new. And that's, if you're being successful, there's something always new. There's something undone, you know? So part of the, part of the discipline is like being okay and tending to other aspects of your life with things that are undone in some, some other domain. You know, and so mm-hmm. it's it's all these kind of nuances. And, Dan, you brought up really it's like nuances of like, how am I relating to where this thing is right now? And am I shutting down other possibilities because of the way I'm relating to the thing? Like I'm a slave to this work thing. And so, therefore, everybody else just gets crumbs until I get this thing done.
2: But, you know, one of the breakthroughs for me in my relationship over the last 47 years with Eileen is, I remember so much of my, the first third of our relationship, I was disappointed that she didn't like to do much of what I like to do. And I didn't like to do a lot of what she did, you know? And as I started to look beyond getting my needs met and I, you know, fall in love with her, when you love somebody, it's amazing how much, what, you know, they could do something I might have no care for. And all of a sudden it becomes interesting because they're involved. Mm-hmm. And and that's literally how I've gotten involved in a number of things that I now enjoy. I previously wouldn't even considered, but because I lean like them and I care for her, it's been very interesting to both do that with her, but watch how much she enjoys what she does. Mm-hmm. I, and and I give her a hard time a lot of times about the things she likes to do. And she does the same back to me, but I notice she's been like, she's been going fly fishing with me over the last few years. And that's been really enjoyable. And she, I took her fly fishing the last time I took. We went, we it was right at the you know in in May, early May, when the weather was a little off and on here. So one it was 80, like 75 degrees one day. And the day we went fishing, it was 30 degrees and snowing. (laughs) And I thought for sure this was the last time she's going fly fishing with me. We literally we caught a bunch of fish. She caught a huge fish, her first cast, it's snowing, and she catches this three-pound trout on a fly, and it's exciting, and she's having a blast. And And then we get so cold, we have to pull over and get off the get off the raft because we're drifting and build a fire and warm up for an hour and a half. Like it was that cold. And we get back on. And I'm thinking, oh, we have to still drift four more miles. And we drift it, we catch a bunch of fish and we get out and we're driving home and she goes, you know, that was a hell of a lot of fun. I can't wait till we do that. That was a real journey, Dan. I mean, and I'm thinking in my mind, oh, she's never going to want to go out again because it was so uncomfortable. But she literally enjoyed it the way I do. I mean, it was like, yes, this was was a little bit of a, t- you know, a little bit of a challenge, and we got cold, and and when we caught fish, her hands were freezing most of the time, and she loved it, which, which is surprising. But my point being, the loving the other person is much better than or bigger than uh, just getting my needs met. And, and, wow. and that loving them may open up a whole another world. I was unaware of that adds to calls parts of me out that I never knew were there.
0: So. That's a nice idea, T- Dan, but come back when you have some time in the saddle, man. <laughs> yeah every time I'm he's obviously in, just joking every
1: time he says how long he's been with Eileen I'm like wow I'm just getting started yep and I'm, I love uh, it just getting started it's like know. every
2: day's new man <laughs> I, I'll, I'll never forget one time I rolled over in bed we, we both were in bed we looked at each other and we both started laughing I go what are you laughing at she goes how did I get here and I thought that's what I was laughing at like how did I get here with this person like oh my gosh
0: <laughs>
2: days like that
0: that was greatiza this is a rich conversation thank you gentlemen for bringing it um i really appreciate the the ideas the back and forth the practices that both of you have invited me into on a regular basis that have just created such a beautiful relationship between my marriage and my business and um and i'm i'm so grateful for that and 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 i'm grateful for the opportunity to share some of those in this conversation mm-hmm.
2: thanks for keep continuing to stir it up chad we Really appreciate that about you. You'll find something to stick a pin in, oh, it's very interesting, man.
1: Yeah, yeah sure. And and, I, and just thinking now, if people have listened all the way to the end of this, if if you've got like specific topics, maybe even about this that you want us to to double click on and talk more about, we you know we make this for you. So if you're oh, listening, yeah. if you're listening for this and think, well, there's this there's this aspect of my life that's really distinct. I'd love to hear about it. We can always do some kind of episode on it or we can do some IG live about it or something like that. So we can really serve you guys. So, cause we we're here for you. So yep. uh, feel free, give us feedback, give us commentary, what's working, what's not working and what's needed.
0: Yep. Uh, amen to that. Please let us know. You can email me, um, message me. I, I would love to put some of those topics on the docket. I also don't want to leave this conversation without talking about the experience of the revenant, because I think, you know, as we talk about the outcomes of the people have coming from the revenant, this is one of the big, big ones that I see happen is, is integration, life integration. Um, A lot of people come struggling with the demands of their business and the demands of their family. And how do I make it all work? And how do I, spend more time and blah, 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 all these ideas that they think is what's needed isn't actually what's needed. And the discovery that happens there is, is really beautiful. So if, if you connect with this conversation, if you find opportunity for uh, possibility in your life to, to, to create integration, please come and be with us in October or November, sorry, first week of November. Um, this, there's no better playground or gym to be able to work out some of this stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: It's complicated, right? It's good for other people that are in the process with you. Do um, you all see it and say, Hey, why don't you try this and you get to try it on and practice and it's really phenomenal.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yep. Yeah. Come. All right. Thanks gentlemen. Thank, Thank you. you. Love you guys. Bye everybody. Ciao. Sure. Thank you so much for listening to yet another conversation on the Naked Leadership Podcast. Your listenership and commitment to the podcast means the world to us. If this podcast or these conversations has helped or inspired you in any way, would you mind going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star rating and a glowing review? This helps us grow the movement and reach more leaders and teams. Finally, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing the podcast with your teams and the other leaders in your life. Until next week, bye-bye, everybody.